This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. In the United States election process, being the incumbent candidate has had a significant advantage. You have obviously been in office for a while with connections to powerful people and financing to support a re-election campaign. But in this age of social media, do the numerous platforms and commentary on each of them balance out a bit of what is referred to as an incumbency advantage? A recent opinion piece published on the digital news site The Globe Post looks at the impact of social media on the re-election process. Pinar Yildirim was one of the authors of that article. She is an assistant professor of marketing here at the Wharton School and also senior fellow at the Leonard Davis Institute. Uh, Pinar, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, Dan. Um, Thanks for having me. So uh, I guess this idea of the impact of social media on uh, on a re-election campaign to me when i when i was looking at this i guess it wasn't really surprising because we've seen the impact and change that digital can have on numerous areas of our life this is just another one obviously a very important one certainly a very important one but i also tend to disagree i think if you look at the way that politicians communicate today it's very different than the way that they used to communicate 5 10 years ago we used to have politicians communicate through very formal channels. They would speak through the, the, the official speakers or they would, uh, they would be on TV, they would be on print or, or official online newspapers. When you look at the, the major form of communication for politicians today, they are communicating through places like Twitter. And I think that begs the question, why are they doing that? And, and is there any benefit to communicating on channels like Twitter? So why do you think that 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 they have gone this route so so frequently? Yes, and we decided to study this question. We wanted to understand first of all why the president of the United States and so many other politicians are choosing to communicate this route and if if so if they choose to do so are there any benefits to them? And there are many ways that one can try to look at these benefits. It might be possibly just getting to know about the politician, someone who you've never heard of before. It might be that these individuals are are getting ahead in elections by either fundraising, raising donations, or it might be that eventually, maybe several years down the road, there are some benefits in terms of the votes that individuals get. We decided to focus on looking at fundraising as an outcome, because fundraising happens on a continuous basis. Even if you're running as a candidate for an office or not, you have to fundraise, and politicians typically do that. So we looked at about 1,800 politicians in the United States, different stages in their career. Some of them have been running for an office, had been elected to an office for a while, and others, um, they were just signing up uh, for the first time. And we looked at whether opening a channel, uh, a communication channel, such as Twitter or Facebook, actually helps them to raise more donations. And, and we actually, maybe or surprise, we found that it does. We see that politicians can raise about uh, 1% to 3% of what they would have raised in a two-year election campaign by opening a, a social media channel and, and communicating through it within pretty much the, the first month of opening this channel. And as you noted, uh, I guess the donation itself isn't always about the amount of money that a person brings forward. In in many cases, it, it's somewhat showing support for either the candidate or the ideas of the candidate. Absolutely. I mean, donations are important for a number of reasons. When you think of electoral success, typically they say it's about 
money, it's about missionary, it's about media. And money is a big part of your electoral success down the road. But it's also very important because the, the donations that we were looking at, they were donations from ordinary individuals as opposed to big corporations and so on. These donations typically come in such small amounts that it makes you wonder, why does someone even donate $10 or $25 to a campaign? It's so, so unlikely to be pivotal in the, the outcome of an election. But people do that because these are symbolic. That represents a belief. That represents their support. That represents that this, this idea that if there are many of us uh, just donating in small amounts, eventually that will turn into a sea of donations and that could help this person to get elected down the road. So donations are very meaningful in a number of ways. So in terms of the politicians themselves using social media, how much does the cost factor play in? Because when you think about how much it costs to do an advertisement on, on a platform, in I think in pretty much every case, it's much cheaper than going the route of the traditional TV ad or, or the traditional newspaper ad. Absolutely. So there are two things that one should take into account when comparing the cost of communication. There's forms of organic communication. These are communications that you don't have to pay for. Like the New York Times covers a politician. That's not something that you pay for. It gets you lots of eyeballs, but very few politicians tend to be covered this way. The, the organic media coverage typically tends to exist for incumbents, people who have been elected to an office uh, before uh, and have been around for a while. Those politicians tend to get covered more organically. And uh, there are other forms. There are, these are the paid forms of communication. Uh, that could be advertising, that could be trying to buy individuals to go and, and volunteer and, and talk on your behalf. And that tends to be expensive. Or at least when we try to do this through the traditional media routes, either through TV or, or, or newspapers, this tends to be very expensive. Digital, to some degree, has changed that. When you advertise on other platforms today, online platforms, you don't have to pay as much. But social media also completely changed that because social media communication is practically free and it can be done by anyone. You don't need to have the big money, big bucks, big fundraisers, big supporters to be able to communicate on Twitter with your constituency and tell them about what your, what your ideas are for the future. You can tell them about who you are, what your values are. And this is typically what we see politicians do. They don't always talk about their political ideas. They talk about themselves. I mean, uh, they talk about their dog. They talk about their favorite sports team. They talk about their favorite place to go in the neighborhood. They talk a lot about themselves and, and their lives and, and who they are as a person. And above and beyond that, of course, you can always talk about your policies, what you would hope to achieve if you're elected into an office. And you can do this way before you officially declare running for a for an office. Yeah. So those are the type of things that uh, we think social media is bringing to the table. It's a very cheap platform to, to simply just um, come in and sign up and communicate with thousands and millions of people. And it's, it's very easily accessible by newcomers, people who have no funding, no, no background in politics. And it's also uh, simply very easy to communicate very different types of information about you. It doesn't always have to be um, just about politics. Right. We're joined by Pinar Yildirim of the Warren School. One of the things you also note is the fact that there's an, a, a, a maybe a higher level of effectiveness with some of this online communication uh, by a political candidate when that tweet or Facebook post has a hyperlink attached to it. Yes. 
So um, we looked at a couple of things. I think let me just maybe find, uh, let me just talk about a few of the findings of the study. Yep. Valdez, for instance, looked at um, who gets the benefit more. I think the, the most important, most key finding of the study was that Valdez compared how much additional donations a political newcomer, someone who's never been elected into an office, gets by social media communication relative to someone else who has actually been in the office before, we find that the primary beneficiaries, the primary people who are uh, benefiting from being on social media are individuals who have not been elected into an office before. So political newcomers has a significantly more gain from communicating over social media compared to individuals who have been elected into an office before. And this is not about the age of communication. This is not about the age of your constituency. This is not because the political newcomers are somewhat more technologically savvy or, or their base is more, more uh, their base is younger and therefore they can communicate and find those individuals on social media. Those are not the drivers. We, we tested all of these and these are not the drivers. The driving force is mainly the amount of new information that we can put out there. For the newcomers, political newcomers, they are at the beginning of a learning curve. So there's a lot more new information that you can learn about these individuals, and there's a lot more new things that they can put out there. And by doing so, they actually increase their support. The more informatively they can communicate, the more new information they, they can put on place, and the more actively they are using these platforms, of course, the more they tweet, the more they are responding to tweets, the more they can provide additional information. For instance, yeah. inclusion of hyperlinks is part of this. When you include a hyperlink, you're not just confined to the 100 and once at least 140 character space limitation of, of Twitter. Sure. It's a little longer, of course, than that, but it used to be when we, did, when we ran the study or when we went back to 2009. That's the, it's how long our study goes. We right. started 2009. Uh, and we see that if you make these more informative, people actually respond to that. They, they get that information. They learn about you. They learn about your policies, and they start supporting you more. Right. For the experienced politicians, of course, social media is only one of the many ways that they can communicate. And by the way, they use social media as actively as, as political newcomers. There is this perhaps belief or, or um, maybe the, the misinformation yeah. that more experienced, um, older politicians may not necessarily be using social media as effectively, P- and it's actually not true. Pinar, we are up against it at the top of the hour. Thank you very much for coming on. Greatly appreciate it. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.